always, big thank you to Myra Green for her music and composition, Passing Places. You can find out more about Myra Green and her music at myragreen.com or pop on to my own website, bonnytours.com and follow our story from there. Hello and welcome to episode 56 of Passing Places. If you're one of my regular listeners, welcome back. And if you're new to the podcast, I say every week it's my personal diaries of my travels around Scotland. Now in this week's episode, I've been at bricks and mortar all week. We've seen a, another upturn in the weather again. So Caitlin, my daughter's off school on the school holidays and we've spent almost every day out in the hills above Stirling. So a couple of things have been happening since last week's episode. One is we've been playing around or experimenting with the hobby of geocaching. So I've got a little bit of audio for you about geocaching and a, a brief explanation about what it's all about. Thanks to, I think it was Ron Crawford who mentioned that in one of his, uh, I think it was mentioned in an email, was it last week or the week before? And then one of the things that's been on my bucket list for the last five or six years, I haven't uh, encountered the Northern Lights for many, many years and they were out all over Scotland and right down into England, I think it was last Tuesday. So I've got a couple of bits of audio for you from my midnight uh, trail out in the local fields, tracking down the Northern Lights. So I'll let you hear that in due course. And uh, I've also got some news on the Passing Places Scott, the Insider Club. The other website, passingplaces.scot, is the new website where I'll be doing all sorts of additional audio content. And during the next week, as we head into the, the clocks changing and the autumn winter arriving, I'll be spending a fair bit of time uh, putting some of the audio that I've been recording onto that website and opening up the site to beta members. So if you've already signed up for the newsletter, I'll be in touch over the next week. And if you'd like to do that now, just go over to passingplaces.scot and register for the newsletter. And I'll be giving all those initial people who register a, a free members free membership. And between us, we can beta test the site, sort out the problems. And then later on in the year, I'll open the site up to all comers. And there'll be a small monthly fee for people going forward. Just enough to try and cover some of the costs. And there'll be additional content there. The normal weekly or regular, semi-regular Passing Places podcast will continue as always, on a free basis. So that's where we're at with all of that. So let's get back to the week that was. And as I say, we've been out geocaching. And it's an amazing hobby. It's combines a whole range of things, a bit of orienteering, a bit of treasure hunting, which is really good for kids, but we're all kids really. And it involves getting out and doing a bit of exercise and visiting all sorts of walks and woodlands and places of interest and these geocaches are located throughout Scotland and they're actually located throughout the world. can't remember what it said on the geocaching.com website, something like two or three million geocaches worldwide and still growing. Within my local area here there's certainly a hundred or so that are within, you know, 15 minutes, half an hour in the car. So plenty to get your teeth into and if you download the free app from geocaching.com within minutes you'll be inquisitive enough to be getting out and walking down your street to to find that geocache that's down in your local town or village or just around the corner 
So Caitlin and I have been out and about and we've been giving it a try and uh, let's dive into some audio and give you a feel for it. This is us during this uh, week out geocaching. We joined Caitlin and I on a lovely sunny day and we've just walked into a very dense pine woodland and we're in a very secret location. Well, we're not secret location, but we're in the hills above Stirling and we're looking for a geocache. Bitch. And uh, we're, we're pushing through the, <laughs> the trees like true professionals. And this geocache is, I've been selling it to Caitlin all day because it's a, a large, it's go large, extra fries and coke. It's a large container, so you get geocaches of various sizes from tiny little nano sized, which are little capsules, magnetic ca capsules sometimes that are stuck on signs and things to this one I'm expecting it to be size of a quite a large Tupperware container and full of little kiddies toys and things but at the moment I'm not sure where it is we're going oh oh I think we've got something keep going what is it? we're at a tree and we've just found a that must be it. quite a large container in a well see it's a container it's you take it out and look. Really well, let's say, more camouflaged than hidden. It's in like a, looks like a tent bag. And amongst the trees. And Caitlin's just undoing the top. And... Sounds like plenty in it. Good place to hide it though, in amongst this level of trees, eh? Mm -hmm. In terms of the density. Yep. Oh, I can't get it out. Can you open it and do the string a little bit? It doesn't bit? go any further. That it doesn't go any further. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're going super size. We've got a big Tupperware container. It's inside almost like the tent bag almost camouflages it because of the colour. How did you get this in here? Oh. Oh, let's have a tit tit lid off and let's have a look. Wow. What sort of things are in there then? Look. What is it? <laughs> it's a minion. A minion what? It's just a minion. What else does it do? Is it a torch or something? I don't know, it's got a switch but I don't... What else is in there? <laughs> what is that? Some mazes. Um. <laughs> What's that? A f it's uh, like a wee recorder. Well, not an audio recorder, a flute type recorder. <whistles> yeah, that was, that's enough. What else is in there? Um, just some, some dinosaurs. A yo-yo. Like a wee mini hula hoop. Mm. <laughs> mini harmonicas. There's two of those. Mm -hmm. Oh, three. That was better. We 
block. Rattle. That's pretty much it. I think you should add a couple of things that we brought. Yeah. So what's that thing there? That's the recorder. It's Fiona from Shrek. Fiona? From Shrek. <laughs> you sound beautiful. like Shrek. Yeah, if you can say I sound like Shrek on the There you go, podcast. let's take this. No, no, don't take Fiona, leave her. <laughs> but, uh, have you got a pen? Oh, this is where our great organisation comes in. Have we got a pen or a pencil? No. There's one in the car. Is there? Do you want to go back and get it? Not really. <laughs> okay. You need to take the keys and... You can up. do some recording. Right. Yeah, so Caitlin's gone off to get a pen and then we'll complete the log. So the geocache idea is that you go onto the geocaching website and uh, become a member, a free member. Download the app for your smartphone and using GPS you can navigate to all these registered geocaches which tend to have all sorts of little items in them as well as primarily a log book so that you can log your visit and then once we've written in the little paper log we're more likely to uh, have you got the log? hold on a second I'm now looking for the paper log which we found <laughs> thank you when was the last visitor before us? 2nd of October right and before that? 13th of September so it's quite a popular one very because it's quite big. So yeah, people can log in the little paper log inside the cache, but you then log it on your phone and it appears on the website. And Caitlin and I had a little go at geocaching when she was much younger, it was six years ago, and we were checking our logs on the website. Yeah, passing places. Yeah, that's our username on the site. So as well as the little toys and things in the, in the log book, there are things called trackables, which are they can be coins and badges or tags that you attach to, like key rings that you attach to little items. And they have a unique code. And if you find a trackable, if you type the code into your phone, it'll tell you the different geocaches that that uh, trackable item's been in. Because the idea is if you find a trackable item, you can take it with you and put it in another cache. And if you check online first on your phone, you'll find that some trackables have a mission to travel to America or to go around the world or maybe to get to a certain place so you can decide whether you can help the item on its journey and if you put a trackable in a geocache keep a note of the number you can keep an eye on your own item as it moves around all the geocaches how often it's picked up and moved on so the beastie is moving on right there's a number of different and put the well. Elements to the hobby, which if you went to the geocaching, you'll know a lot more than Caitlin and I. But that must be in your bag. <laughs> <laughs> Caitlin was going to put. Uh, no, I wasn't. Was going to put Skid's bowl. I took it out to get other things out. <laughs> <laughs> People would want his bowl, wouldn't they? <laughs> so that's quite a good one. That's the biggest one we've found so far, isn't it? What should we take? You don't have to take anything, do you? I want to. I mean, take take one thing then. We'll just put it in another cache somewhere else. Well, this is like in, in a sweetie market. shop, which one she's going to choose. <laughs> so yeah, go on to geocaching.com, you'll find out all about it. But there are literally thousands and thousands of them all over the UK and millions across the world, so you're never far from a geocache. And some of them are really difficult to find because they're very well hidden. 
and others are, are easier. This one is, if you've got the confidence to get into the trees, you've got to sort of break your way through the first few trees in terms of the branches and then you're in a very dense pine woodland and this one was quite easy to find because it's so big it's, well no, I won't say anymore because it'll, it'll spoil it for other people. But uh, the trick now is I'll need to go offline to get this thing back in the bag, I would imagine. But uh, what do you think? Mm-hmm. What do you think? That's how you do it. Was it good? Yeah, it's a really, really, really good one. That's the best one we've found. Mm-hmm. So what did you take? A wee wooden bird. Right. I get how it works now. Why don't we do this in the first place? Uh, we? Do you mean you? <laughs> no. Right, the, the geocache is now fully, it's in a Tupperware, which is reasonably waterproof. Then it's inside yeah, another this bag. Is very waterproof. And then Caitlin's just going to put it back where we found it. Make sure it's pretty reasonably sorted. And uh, we'll speak to you soon. Bye. We're just going to navigate our way back to the car now. So yeah, the geocaching give yourself a purpose when you're out walking. Great for kids. This better. Huh. Uh, big kids like myself and Caitlin. And uh, younger proper kids. Uh, these little toys are inexpensive and it's they love finding things and then swapping things. I think one of the principles so is I. that you should uh, replace or swap things of at least a similar value and preferably... Uh, increase the value so maybe we'll find a fortune in one of them just breaking through the trees here oh. <laughs> bad audio that's us out the trees and back into the sunshine and we left skidding the, the car because we're quite near a single track road and sometimes we get so preoccupied with the little whistles and toys and things that he runs off well, that was good, wasn't it? Yeah. Should we look for another one before we go home, or is that us? That's us. Right. Okay, overnight. So the geocaching has been so entertaining and uh, enjoyable this week that we're now in the process of putting our own cache together. And uh, we've got the Tupperware dish, or the Tupperware container. <laughs> Plastic Tupperware container. I think Tupperware's a one of these words like hoovers, everybody seems to know what it means, but it's a plastic plastic food container with a, an almost a, a sealed airtight lid. And the idea is that you put your little logbook in there and some goodies. And the key uh, problem or the key issue that you need to overcome is you need to go into the geocaching website and your cache has to meet all the criteria, the guidelines, and has to be approved by the site. So... Things like picking a sensible place, ensuring that you don't try and bury the cache, it has to be just hidden and you need the landowner's permission. So you can imagine it goes on and on and on. There are a number of rules or guidelines that you need to follow. So we've got a few things to do before we get through the red tape and get it established. And then we'll uh, see if anybody visits. The place I've got in mind is maybe a at least a four mile round trip walk from the car. So it might be one for the, the keener geocachers and I was laughing the, the the term they use for anybody who's not a geocacher that you meet when you're out and about is a 
Oh, I've forgotten it now. Is it Muggle? Muggle? Anyway, it's borrowed from the Harry Potter series. So yeah, that's what we're going to do next, is get ourselves a little geocache, and then that'll give me something to do periodically, maybe two or three times a year. I'll have to go along and visit it. And uh, we can follow the the progress of the geocache online as people visit the log, not just the little logbook, but they log their visits online and alert you to any problems if the cache is uh, waterlogged or just isn't there or something. So anyway, give it a little try if you're at all interested in walking or orienteering or treasure hunting or just to get out and about, gives your walk some sort of purpose. So that's uh, geocaching. And then the really exciting thing that's happened this last week has been the Northern Lights. If you've followed the podcast from the outset, you'll know that I'm a little bit obsessed about the Northern Lights and I've travelled all over Scotland and I've been led a merry dance. I've missed them by a day here and a day there and whenever they're out, it's always cloudy where I am. So it's been a particularly good period over recent weeks. A lot of sightings on the coast, particularly the east coast and the northeast coast of Scotland and out in the islands and the Outer Hebrides in particular. So again, when they've been out, the weather down here hasn't been great in the central belt. So the other day when I looked at the the map, or I say the map, the, I have these apps that give me uh, all sorts of um, tables and information that give me a, a, a map or an atlas, a, a globe view of the world and a, a coloured in scheme of where the... Uh, Northern Lights are likely to stretch in terms of latitude and the whole place was jumping, I think it was last Tuesday and again I nipped onto Facebook a couple of groups I follow who were out and about and people were reporting sightings all through Scotland and beyond and I ended up going out, I think around about uh, back 11, nearly midnight and here's some audio from my adventures that night Well you join me it's almost midnight and we're out in a very dark location near Stirling at a gate next to a field and it's really really spooky because as I'm speaking into the microphones with my earbuds in I can hear all sorts of sounds ticking of the car, cooling down the traffic on a road about half a mile away and there's some cows making eerie sounds, but most of all, if you move at all, the rustle or the sound of gravel under your feet is amplified, and it really is spooking me. But anyway, we've come out here to look at the Northern Lights. There's a amazing set of numbers on my app. I don't quite understand what they all mean in terms of the the solar wind, but I've never seen them so high, and everybody on Twitter's jumping that the Northern Lights are out all the way down into England. So I'm looking out north and I can see a very sort of faint green tinge over the bottom third of the sky and the stars are out above me really nice and clear and they've only come out in the last 20 minutes or so so I'm hoping this is going to improve in terms of visibility. I think there's still some almost fog formed at a low level and where I'm looking is towards the mountains. So if we just get a little bit more clearing of the sky, definitely green now over on the over to my left, which is so all looking north, but I'm wondering if I can get to a better location.
so it's low, I've got hardly any fuel left in the car. I think uh, breaking down the middle of nowhere would be slightly more worrying than looking over my shoulder with uh, earbuds in, thinking that somebody's going to hit me in the head with something. <laughs> I've got no fear of the dark when I'm in the highlands or in the islands or when I'm away, but there's something about being this near civilization that I think anybody out at this time of night is up to no good. So we'll, uh, we'll persevere. I wonder if I could drive to a location where I would get a better view and I could sit in the car, look out the window. But really we've got a green, a green glow. We've got black, uh, blackness on the horizon and then it softens up to a green glow and then above that the sky clears beautifully to a starlight evening. So I'm pretty certain we're looking at Northern Lights and if I had a proper camera set up the colours are always enhanced once you take a, a photograph. But to the naked eye they're never quite as strong. But I've waited years to see this. I've been all around the highlands and islands and many many years since I've seen the Northern Lights. Uh, so that's a that's certainly worth coming out and risking life and limb. Gosh. <laughs> that's a cow somewhere nearby. Hmm. I'm sure you can hear that in the microphones. Yeah, there's some cattle rustlers out and about and uh, there's a car coming along this road now so I'm just going to hide my I was just tucking my microphones in there to hide the light looks I'm sure pretty weird face lit up with a an audio recorder in the middle of nowhere. So yeah, we've definitely got a green tinge to the northern sky. I think what I'll do is I'll I'm going to try and calculate how much petrol I've got and I might go a few miles further up the road see if I can get a better spot. Get a bit further away from the lights of Stirling and just allow the, the sky to clear a bit further. So I'll speak to you soon. Well, Skid and I have now moved location. We're in a single track road now, quite a bit off the, the beaten track from the locals. And I feel much safer here. It's actually more remote. Better uh, darkness. And I've just got a little single track uh, passing place. I've uh, parked up. And we're looking out at definitely the northern lights now. We've got a nice dome-shaped green light in the northern horizon. Still very black at the horizon level, I think there's still some cloud cover. And it can only, well it could improve if that sky cleared a little bit further north, but we've got a really nice green glow right across the, the sky, and above that we've got the, the big dipper, or the plough, or Ursula Major. And uh, if you had a camera, <laughs> he says, when he's left all his camera equipment at home. <laughs> I don't think I could have been uh, 
bothered setting it all up with the dog in tow but just to see the northern lights I can tick that box to some extent it's not the most spectacular sighting that uh, you could see but it's definitely ticks the boxes it's here and I think people are looking at it in all sorts of areas across Scotland and right down into uh, northern England really depends I think not so much on how far north you are tonight, but how clear your sky is. It's good what you're growling at now. <laughs> There's uh, livestock in all these fields. And my recorder gives off a red light when it's recording, so... There's an owl hooting. Dog barking. You can hear all sorts on the recorders. What I might be able to do is turn the car around, go up and turn at the junction, come back and I'll be facing northwest. I could sit in the car and see if we get a further development of the Northern Lights or not. And I've got a teaspoonful of petrol, so we might be walking home. <laughs> right, go on skiddy boy. Just go back to the car, I'll speak to you again soon. So I'm pleased that at least I can say I've seen the Northern Lights in recent times. It's uh, If you've really been greedy, it wasn't anything like as spectacular as the best viewing I've ever seen was on the North Coast, at, to the, just outside the Kyle of Tongue, where if you really see the Northern Lights in their full entirety, it's, a, it's like a disco. You have all sorts of coloured lights almost flashing and strobe effects and veils of light and the whole sky pulsing and it's just an amazing scene. But uh, just to see the, the green glow on the, in the night sky and know that there were so many people out looking at the Northern Lights was great. And uh, I think I'll, I'll have to wait to see if I get another better sighting and or travel perhaps somewhere like Iceland or up to Finland or somewhere to see if uh, I can get a better sighting. But I can't complain. I was very pleased that I'd finally got to see the Northern Lights. So that's been the sum total of my week really, has been out almost every day and taking in all this really good weather, you know, relatively good weather for the time of year. Or just, as I say, moving into autumn next uh, few days, the the autumn colours will really be coming through. The, the leaves are now in full turn on the trees and we're beginning to see the, the colours of autumn coming through. So that will be something to enjoy over the next few weeks and we're just hoping that the, the weather stays dry. I think it's next week that Joyce and Carlo come over from Boston in the United States for their holiday in Scotland, so I'll be catching up with them at some point in the travels. And I don't have any shout-outs this week. I don't. I may have misplaced one or not noticed one. or So you're, you're uh, letting slip on your end. I'm looking for any feedback at all. If you want to go onto that, speak pipe is great. Get onto my website and leave a little voice message. You can play around with it, and if you are happy with your draft recording, send it to me. And if you're not, you can just delete it. So some people are a little bit apprehensive about their voice being recording, recorded, but you can check it out. Send me an email. It was good to get three, two or three emails in the last week or so. Or leave comments on the Facebook group. And one of the things we are going to be doing through the winter is getting some listeners on to the podcast. 
So Ian Gillespie, I think, should be back home after his week, uh, travelling around the Highlands in his camper van. I won't tell you any more of what I've seen of his story so far. We'll let him tell us the story if he's good enough to get on Skype in the next uh, couple of weeks. So this is a relatively short episode, and uh, we'll leave it there. There's no point going on too much. And uh, I'll see you next week. Um, I think I've actually got managed to get the podcast out this week on time. Maybe we'll manage the same again next week. So stay safe and maybe one day I'll see you on your travels around Scotland. Thanks.